Here at Doxadea Bloom, we are excited about making disciples who impact the city and nations. We hope that you enjoy today's message. Well, hello. We're so glad you are joining us today as we start a brand new sermon series on prayer. In this sermon series, we are going to discover how to talk to God. Maybe you've been following Jesus for a number of years and you've been struggling in your prayer life. Then I want to say this series is going to be good for you. It's going to help you go into new dimensions of prayer and speaking to God in a new way. Uh, Maybe you've been praying uh, to God for many, many years, but you still want to grow in that prayer life. You've got a a desire to go deeper when it comes to your communication with God. Um, Then I'm trusting that God will work with you and use this sermon series uh, to take you to newer dimensions of your own prayer life. Now, um, in this uh, series, we are going to discover a number of things and something that I find uh, so often uh, in our Christian walk, even with myself, is that we sometimes very easily talk about God, but sometimes we struggle to talk to God. Many Christians don't have a problem speaking about God, but they do struggle speaking to God. Um, And even as a pastor myself, uh, sometimes when I'm preaching a lot and and ministering a lot, I can easily fall into the the trap of talking so much about God, but not talking to God often enough. Now, today, in this very first sermon, we're going to speak about how to pray. In fact, we're going to speak about the five dimensions of prayer, or rather, how to pray in five dimensions. If you are at a place where you feel stuck in your prayer life, or even if you're a new believer and you don't know how to pray, the five dimensions of prayer or how to pray in five dimensions is really going to help you. Now, um, just this speaking about Five dimensions is is just something that's an interesting conversation um, in our modern day world today where where lots of scientists and uh, people speak about the fifth dimension. If you've ever watched the movie Interstellar, um, they in that movie they play around this idea of of new dimensions that are being discovered or or thinking about this idea of of the fifth dimension. Now, um, in, in math, or in, in physics, the, the basic idea, I've, I've brought some pens to just quickly explain to you what are these different dimensions. They're real simple. Um, the first dimension is uh, if you've got, for instance, a line. And on a line, you would use uh, a unit, whether it be millimeters, centimeters, or whatever. It's the x-axis. And, and on a line like this, you can plot where something is on this line, if it's at unit number one, two, three, or four. And if you add a second dimension, that is when you no longer only have the x-axis, but also the y-axis. I don't know which one is x or y, but the one is the one, and the other one is the other one. There's x and y. And then you can not only plot something on where it is on this line, but also where it is on this line. So something might be, um, you know, three centimeters on the x-axis, but five centimeters on the y-axis. That is the second dimension, if you add a second dimension. Um, So you've got like width and height. And then you have depth, which is a third dimension. And so this is when you add a z-axis like that, and you not only plot where something is on this line, but also on this line, but also on this line. How, how, how far is it? How close is it from you? And this is the basic concept behind a three-dimensional film that you watch. Uh, I once heard a funny story of a friend of mine whose sister went on a date with a guy, and they watched a 3D film. Um, and in the cinema. And then afterwards, he was just 
you know, so amazed at this 3D film. And he said, man, I just wish that real life could also be in 3D, um, not knowing that it's already in 3D. And so this friend of mine just told his sister, I don't think you can date this guy anymore. You have to leave him. And so, right, we, those three dimensions of space, it's something that we understand. And then they speak about the fourth dimension, and the fourth dimension is time. Uh, so, so just like you can maybe plot um, an object or say, for instance, myself, you can plot me on a world map of where I am now. But if you were to come tomorrow at the same time as now, I might not be at the same point because time has moved on and the object might be at a different time. Um, and so the fourth dimension is time. And then there's the fifth dimension. Now, the fifth dimension, they say, is the relationship between gravity and electromagnetism. Now, what that means, I don't know. I'm, I'm, it's very confusing. Apparently, it's got no effect on our lives. Now, as I'm explaining these different dimensions, the point I want to get to is that many times, you and me, we feel that our lives, in our lives, that we are being pulled in every single direction. It's like the x-axis, the y-axis, the z-axis, and we don't have any time left. And then there's a part of life that doesn't even make sense to us, right? It's like the relationship between gravity and electromagnetism. Like there's something about life that sometimes doesn't make sense. It feels like we are being pulled in every direction. Last week um, in the morning after a rough night with the baby or not so easy night with our baby, we've got a newborn baby in the house. It's our thir third boy um, and he's about eight or nine weeks old. Uh, my wife turned over, she looked at me and she says, grown-up life is tough. <laughs> Maybe you feel like that. Grown-up life is tough. You feel like you're being pulled in every single direction. Uh, for me, it feels like, you know, when, when before you get married, it feels like life is pretty much being lived on one dimension, and then you get a wife. And so there's, it's not only about what I want, there's someone else also I need to consider in my decision. So there's a second dimension in your life. And then you have a child. And then it's like, okay, now it's life in 3D. Things are pulling you in different directions. And, and for us, my wife and I, we had a fourth, like a second child. So we were four in the house. And then the aspect of time went out the window. The fourth dimension kicked in and it felt like we don't have any time. And now I've got a, a third child and we are five in the house and it really feels like I don't know I don't understand what's happening what is this extra force in my life now maybe you feel like that whatever your situation might be um, we, we feel like we are being pulled in many different directions now if that is the case we need to pray if your prayer life is a one-dimensional prayer life you've got a problem in a multi-dimensional world that we live in with all of the complexities, the responsibilities that you have to, you know, take care of, the, the challenges that you face, you the multi-dimensional life that you are busy living, you cannot have a one-dimensional prayer life. You also need a multi-dimensional prayer life. Now, um, we're going to be speaking about how to pray in five different dimensions that really just, it's, it's actually just a, a nice way or a nice metaphor to speak about a, a new way of praying in a more, in a fuller way. Now, before we, we get going um, and speak about the, the, this praying in five different dimensions or praying in five different ways, which is really a practical way that you can implement tomorrow morning already and even right now uh, and start praying in that way. Before we get to that, um, there's uh, just two things that we need to understand as a baseline before we start praying. 
And firstly, it is that God is a multidimensional God. God is not a one-dimensional God. He is a multidimensional God. Now, why this is important is that, 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 that your fruitfulness and the, the fulfillment that you get in prayer is not dependent on how you understand or how well you know and understand what prayer is. Your fruitfulness and fulfillment in prayer is based on how, how, what your understanding is of, of who God is. It's not based on your understanding of what prayer is. It's based on your understanding of who God is. So your picture of God is so important if you want to have a full and a fruitful prayer life. It has to start with your picture of who God is. Now we know that God is a multidimensional God. Just look at creation. The Bible tells us to look at creation. And in creation, we see who this beautiful and, and multidimensional God is. I think about the creativity in the world. And also thinking about the order in this wonderful universe that we live in. Thinking about the, 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 how, how massive the, this, this universe is that we find ourselves in. Uh, you know, thinking about how, how big certain things are. But also thinking about the detail that we find on this planet Earth. And it's all who God is. It's reflecting something of who God is. God is a multidimensional God. We see it in creation. But then secondly, we also see it in Jesus. We see it in the incarnation of Jesus. Jesus was fully God, yet fully man at the same time. Jesus was a multidimensional being. And then we also see it in the Holy Spirit. The way that the Holy Spirit moves, where, where uh, it, it says in the Bible that, that he, uh, the Holy Spirit actually moves like the wind blows. We don't know where it's coming from. We don't know where it's going. And the same way with the Spirit. Sometimes in our lives, we, we don't fully understand what God is busy doing or how the Holy Spirit is working. And sometimes the way that the Spirit works is so unexpected. And, and that's who the Holy Spirit is. God is a multidimensional God. Now, why is this important? Then it gets us to the second truth that you have to understand before we dive deeper into prayer. Firstly, is that God is multidimensional. And then secondly, because God is multidimensional, you are never alone. Because there is no dimension where God has not been, you will never ever be alone. doesn't matter what circumstance you face. God knows it. He understands it. Even Jesus, every single suffering, every single challenge, every single temptation that you are facing or have faced or will face, Jesus has faced them all. God is a multidimensional God and therefore we can know that we are never alone. Psalm 139 verse 7 to 12 says the following, Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I raise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day. For darkness is as light to you. You see, there's no place that you've been, there's no place that you are going that God has not been. 
You see, God says about himself in his Bible, and we know this, that he is not only around us when we look at creation, but when we consider the spirit, we know that God is also in us. We know that God is not limited to space-time, like we spoke about the different dimensions in our planet, space and, and time. God is not limited to that. We know that not only is he around us, he's also in us, but he's also in front of us. He's behind us. He is ahead of us and he's under us. God is everywhere. And therefore, we are not alone. Now let's quickly speak about the five dimensions. If you ever felt stuck in prayer, maybe you're a new believer, you don't know how to pray, you can pray according to these five ways. Um, uh, if you are stuck and you want to grow and go deeper in your prayer lives, con con consider this. When you pray, firstly, we look back to the cross. We look back. And then secondly, we look up toward our Father in heaven. Thirdly, we look in. And then fourthly, we look around. And then fifth, we look ahead. So we're going to speak about these five uh, dimensions, five ways of praying. First, we look back, then we look up, then we look in, then we look around, and then we look ahead. So the first one is when we look back, is firstly, we consider the cross of Jesus. We look back at what Jesus has done for us. When we consider Jesus, it creates in us an attitude of, of gratitude. We, we become grateful, and that's the best way to start your day. There's a hymn that goes, look full in the face of Jesus and the things of this world will grow strangely dim. You see, when you start your morning, when you start your prayer every morning by looking full in the face of Jesus, by looking back, considering the cross, looking at Jesus, most probably the worries of that day will start growing dim because you are looking in comparison looking at them in comparison to the face of Jesus. Looking back at the cross reminds us just how deeply God loves us. It also reminds us of the price that he had to pay, which establishes value on our lives. And it also reminds us of the fact that we are completely forgiven. There's a man that once says is that if you understand your salvation, if you look back at the cross, then you walk as boldly as a lion and as light as a bird. As bold as a lion and as light as a bird. Because when you understand what Jesus has done for you, it gives us confidence to walk boldly. But at the same time, we know that we are completely forgiven. No guilty conscience anymore because we are freed because of that. We walk as light as a bird. The Bible says in 1 Peter 1 verse 18 to 19, For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. And it was not paid with mere gold or silver, which lose their value. It was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. You know why this is important? Because if you want to know how much something is worth, you look at the price that someone is willing to pay for it. See, the market is always right. So whatever people are willing to pay for something, Whatever the object might be, it might be this pen. Uh, if someone is willing to pay, if the market is willing to pay 10 rand for this pen, this, the value of this pen is 10 rand. Now considering yourself, looking at your own life, what is it worth? What is it worth? The, the way that you answer that question is by looking at what was God willing to pay for you? 
What is the price that God was willing to pay for your life? You see, God looked at you and he wanted to put a value next to it. And he looked on this planet Earth and he could not find something that is worthy of the sacrifice for your life. That is worthy to put next to, in terms of value, put next to your life. Then he probably had to look a bit higher. He had to look to the moon and he couldn't find enough value in the moon. He had to look to the sun. He couldn't find enough value in the sun. He had to consider the stars, the universe. And it was still not value enough to put next to your life. He had to look outside of creation and look at his uncreated son and send his son so that we might live. The price that God paid for us. When we look back at the cross, we are reminded not only how much we are forgiven, but we are reminded of how valuable we are to our Father in heaven. We're also reminded about the, the costliness of our, the, the, the death that we were living in, the costliness of sin and death, but that God has paid the price because there's value on your life. We look back at the cross. Secondly, after just in the morning, when it's praying practically, it could mean reading scripture or just considering saying, thank you, Jesus, for what you've done for me. Where would I, where would I have been if it were not for you? But secondly, we look up. We look up to the face of our Father. Now, it's very important that we understand that God chose that we address him as Father. God wants us to call him Father. That's what Jesus tells us, right? That's what Jesus comes and teaches us. Disciples wants to know how to pray. And he says, this is where you start. You need to start calling this God that you call by many other names. You need to start calling him Father. Why is this important? Because the, what you call someone sets the tone. If you go to someone, maybe your doctor, and you tell him, well, good afternoon, doctor, it sets the tone for that conversation. If a student goes to his lecturer and he says, well, good morning, professor, it sets the tone and the limits in terms of that relationship. But if my kid comes to me and he says, Papa, if he says, Daddy, it sets the tone for this, this conversation. What you call someone sets the tone. And that's why Jesus is adamant on that we call him Father. And this was not normal in his time. Uh, people weren't necessarily in the habit of calling God Father. So, so when Jesus was saying, pray then like this, call him Father in heaven, he was actually breaking with religion in a big way, calling us to deeper intimacy with our Father in heaven. Romans 8 verse 15 says the following, The spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you, are, so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him, we cry, Abba, Father. And by him, we cry, Abba, Father. You see, you don't address God as your headmaster because you don't have a spirit of fear. We have a spirit of adoption as, as sons in this, this house of our Father. We cry, Abba, Father. Now, your prayer life, it's so important that it needs to be personal and it needs to be passionate. Your prayer life needs to be personal and it needs to be passionate. So the way that our prayer life should be personal is the reason why the Bible says we cry 
Abba, Father. It doesn't say we cry, Father. We say, it says we cry, Abba, Father. This word, Abba, is like the, the root word or the, the sort of a primal kind of word for Father. It is it's the word that babies use before they can talk. I've, I've got two sons that can talk now. Before they started speaking words, they said, Dada or Papa in Mama. Papa in Mama. That's what they called us. It's like this primal thing of, of, of uh, or like before you understand words, you can already start saying Papa. It is referring to what an infant calls his father. And why is this so important? It is deeply, deeply personal. It is deeply personal. Now, God wants your prayers to be simple and childlike and honest. That's what it is. You see, my children, when they speak to me, they don't try and impress me. They don't come to me with titles or anything like that. They just talk. They just talk. They, they, don't, they don't care about how they, what their grammar sounds like. or They're not trying to impress me. They're just talking to me. And that's the same way. We are invited to have a personal relationship with God. But second thing, what I love about that scripture is not only we cry, Abba, Father. It's this word, we cry, Abba, Father. Do you know that babies love crying? If you don't have kids yet, you'll find out. Now, it's interesting. My, my, I know that babies aren't very, not only are they not very considerate, but, but they really are um, very free, right? They've got a lot of liberty. Let me put it that way. Babies have got a lot of, li- lo- lot of liberty. So my, my youngest, he's, uh, you know, just a bit more than two months old now. When he wakes up, he doesn't wake up and says, uh, uh, Good morning, Father. Uh, would you mind coming over here and just quickly helping me? I can sense something is maybe not right. I might be hungry. I'm not sure. Or maybe it's just a bit of a wind that I have. But, but you can just finish whatever you were doing. If you want to snooze just a little bit longer, that's okay. Uh, but whenever you have time, get around to it. Uh, I'd love it if you come and pick me up. Babies don't do that. No. They cry. They just say, now, pick me up now. I don't know what's wrong, but pick me up now. Hungry, food, now. That's it. They cry. Abba. They just cry. They are demanding. My question to you, friend, do you allow yourself to sometimes be demanding to God? A healthy prayer life is one that is a demanding prayer life to God. That brings everything to your father. That is allowing yourself to be passionate, not only personal, but you are passionate in prayer. If you are sad, take your sadness to God. If you are angry, take your anger to God. If you are joyful, bring your joy to God. Bring yourself to God in passion. Be yourself unfiltered. If there's one place you can totally be unfiltered and free, it is before your father in heaven because he knows everything about you. There's nothing you can hide from God. There's no emotion that he doesn't know about. I mean, come on. If there's one place in your life where you can be totally unfiltered, it is before your Father in heaven. It is by him, by his Spirit, that we get to cry, Abba, Father. Thirdly, we look back. That's the first one. We look up. Second one. And thirdly, we look in. The third thing you can do in your prayer life, if you want, you want to see a growth in your prayer life, is to set aside time to look in. Now, there's a wonderful psalm uh, that 
that says the following in Psalm 139, verse 23 and 24. It says, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. It's like the psalmist, uh, if, if I'm correct, I think it was David. It's, it's sort of like he's taking out his heart and he says, God, search me and see if there's anything you don't like in you and lead me in the way everlasting. You see, it's a beautiful picture. Uh, the Bible explains to us that God has come and He's made His home inside of us. By His Spirit, the Trinity has come, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They've come and made their home inside of us. But what they've done is they've come with all of their luggage, with all of who they are, and they've come and made their home inside of you. You know, when you go and visit a friend, what you don't do is you don't rearrange the furniture. Because you respect it as their house, it's not your house. But if it's your own home, if you've bought maybe a place or you're renting a place and you move in with your luggage, with your furniture, what do you do? You rearrange the place so that it works for you. God does the same in you. God moves in to this house, which is you. And don't be surprised if God wants to rearrange the furniture so that it works for him. If he doesn't like you know, where the dining room table is, he's allowed to move it. And that's what we do in prayer. We say, God, is there any furniture that you want to rearrange in my life? Maybe this couch of anger. Maybe you want to chuck it, throw it outside. If you want to do that, God, you're welcome to do that. You know, this, this, this emotion of, of jealousy or of envy. What do you want to do with God? You want to put it somewhere else, maybe throw it out or whatever. Allow God to move the furniture around. That's what we do in prayer. We look in. We say, God, is there any offensive way in me? Is there anything, God, that you want to move around in my life? You're welcome to do so. Now, the fourth one is, uh, so first one is we look back. Second one is we look up. Thirdly, we look in, we allow God to do his work of sanctification in us. And then the fourth one is we look around. We look around and we say the prayer, use me. This is probably one of the most dangerous prayers that you can pray, but also one of the most wonderful prayers you can pray is to look around at the need around you and say, God, use me. Where is their need? And it's really as simple as that. It's, it's, it's praying, saying, God, where is the need? And then you look at what do you have? Uh, your, your, your time, treasures and talents. You ask yourself, what is it that I'm good with? Maybe sometimes not great with, just I'm, I'm kind of good with. Where's the need and where is there a fit? Wherever there's a need around you and where you can do something, the two go together, they fit. And then we start doing something in those places. But we consider that in prayer, asking God, God, where do you want to use me in my immediate environment? Romans 6 verse 13 in the Living Bible says, Do not let any part of your bodies become tools of wickedness to be used for sinning, but give yourselves completely to God, every part of you. For you are back from death and you want to be tools in the hands of God to be used for His good purposes. You see, the world is waiting for your contribution. The way that God wants to impact this world is through His church. And so therefore, we want to align ourselves with that and say, God, what is it that you want me to do? What are the things that you've given me that I can address the need? Show me where the needs are and use me in those 
places. Now, oftentimes we think this means doing these great things and we wait for this great thing that we can do and we get all of the equipping and, and everything, we want to get everything ready so that we can do this great thing. But sometimes it's doing really simple things, the small things, but with a great amount of love. Doing small things with a great amount of love. That's it. That's what we're called to do. And then the last one is looking forward. First, we look back. Secondly, we look up. Thirdly, we look in. Fourth, we look around. And then the fifth part is looking ahead. Looking ahead. This is the time of your prayer where you can look at what's laying ahead in your day. When you pray through your calendar, uh, or just, just maybe keeping your calendar in mind, who are you going to meet today, who are you going to see, places you're going to go to, meetings you're going to have, and just inviting God into your schedule, inviting God into your, your five-year plan also, your future plans, your, your concerns that you have for this week, and also the concerns you have for the years to come. You invite God into those anxieties, into your planning. You invite God into your decision-making. You invite God into your, your budget planning, into your, your time planning, which is your calendar. Um, and you pray through those things. You look ahead. So oftentimes we start there. But in fact, it's much better to start by looking back, looking up, looking in, looking around, and then looking ahead at what's ahead. And you pray through those things. Now, all of us know that we need counsel, looking ahead for, for your life, the practical things, the concerns you might have, the plans that you have, the dreams that you have. You need counsel, the decisions you're going to make. You need counsel from God. Now, the wonderful thing is you need not only you need counsel, you need coaching from God, but he's written a whole book on it. So just read it. He's written so much, giving us this counsel and this advice, and he's given us a church that we can also practically walk into those things accordingly to his will. So we're going to end the sermon there. Uh, and I want to end off by just inviting you to take a step into a new kind of prayer life, whatever that means for you. If you are maybe a mature Christian, you can use these five dimensions of prayer, of, of looking back, looking up, looking in, looking around and looking ahead uh, to go into a deeper way of praying. Uh, if you are maybe a, a new believer or someone that doesn't have a habit of prayer in your life yet, I want to give you a simple challenge. Just start by doing in these four weeks that we're going to be uh, spending on this topic of prayer, just start by doing a five minutes a day of prayer. Set aside, uh, set aside five minutes in the morning of praying. Now, I know for a fact that you're probably not going to only pray for five minutes, especially if you look back, you look up, you look in, you look around, you look ahead. You're not going to pray for only five minutes, but just put it in and just, you know, just commit to a five minutes to establish the habit in your life. If you're a mature Christian, you already have this habit of prayer in your life. For you, the invitation from the Spirit is to go into a deeper level of prayer, is to pray in a greater way. Maybe it's time for you to actually join a prayer ministry. In this church, we've got a WhatsApp group and just once a week we send out a prayer request and then as a church together, we pray together into that. Maybe God is calling you to pray uh, for other people, for other situations. Uh, start writing down the things that you feel God wants you to pray for and pray in a greater way. Uh, maybe God is calling you to join our prayer ministry at church 
Uh, we have a group of people coming together, both at Fikhat Park campus as well as at Central campus, a group of people coming together each week and they pray for this church. Uh, maybe the time is right for you to join a ministry like that. I pray that you will take steps forward into your prayer life. This is my prayer for even myself in these next four weeks, is that I want to grow in my prayer life. I want to be a person that speaks more to God than what I speak about God. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, that is truly our desire. When we consider your life, we know that it was because you knew how to speak to God that you really knew how to speak about God. And God, that's where we, where we want to start. Even for myself, God. God, I want to, I want to grow uh, in my, my time uh, and my energy that I spent speaking to you, God. Just as a church, God, may you, may you help us with your spirit to discover new dimensions of speaking to you, new dimensions of praying, even praying in the spirit, which we're going to be speaking about next week, God. May we grow in our ability to pray and actually access what you've given us in your Holy Spirit to be able to connect to you in a totally new way because of what you've done. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. Make sure that you get connected to this family on mission by joining us at one of our Sunday services.